This is Plant-Based Briefing. Debunked, Do Vegans Kill More Animals Through Crop Deaths? Part 2 by Ed Winters at surgeactivism.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and this is the Curated Content Plant-Based Podcast, where I narrate a variety of articles on the myriad of reasons to live vegan, with permission, in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's is longer than that, so I've broken it into two parts, and I read part one yesterday, and I'm reading part two today, so go back and listen to yesterday's first, otherwise this one's not going to make any sense. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Debunked, Do Vegans Kill More Animals Through Crop Deaths? Part 2 by Ed Winters at surgeactivism.org. There was then another article linked here that was published back in 2011 and written by Mike Archer, which has been shared around by many non-vegans as it claims that wheat production is responsible for 25 times more death than grass-fed beef. Why? Because in Australia, every four years on average, there are events called mouse plagues, where an overwhelming number of mice overrun the fields and are then often poisoned. Mouse plagues only really occur in Australia, although they have happened in China. But the argument being made is that we shouldn't be vegan because every four years or so there is a mouse plague in Australia, during which farmers poison the mice. In essence, it's saying that it's bad for me to be a vegan in the UK because there are mouse plagues in Australia. How does that make sense? Regardless of how nonsensical the argument is, that didn't stop Steven Crowder from using this logic to discount veganism the world over. What about the mouse plague? Firstly, let's just look at wheat consumption in Australia. According to the USDA, it is estimated that in 2019 and 2020, 3.5 million tons of wheat was produced for human consumption, whilst in the same period, 6 million tons was produced to be used as animal feed. So that means animal farmers use around 1.7 times more wheat, and so would be responsible for around 1.7 times more mice being killed for wheat production alone. This is important as well because around 80% of beef sold in domestic supermarkets in Australia comes from animals that were grazing for about 85-90% to of their lives, but then are fattened up on feedlots for the last 10-15%. to On top of that, beef can still be sold as grass-fed if the cows have spent fewer than 70 days being fed on grain, which, because cows are often slaughtered at around 18 months old, is within that 10-15% to time period. What about solely grass-fed cattle, so animals who have only been fed grass? We have this idea that grass-fed means the animals are only consuming the pasture on which they are grazing, but this is not the case. Hay, silage, and haylage are all grass, so animals are still completely quote-unquote grass-fed when they're fed these food sources, which happens often, especially during the colder months or if pastures are nutritionally insufficient. How do farmers get hay and silage? They have to harvest it, meaning that even grass-fed cows are fed food that is harvested. So what about the mouse plagues? Well, at the beginning of March this year, there was an article about the current mouse plague in Australia in which one farmer said this, quote, The hay is a worry. Apparently the mouse droppings and the urine all run through. It's very damaging. It can disease cattle. It might be ruined, unquote. And in the same article, another farmer is quoted, The Storer family grows sorghum to sell and feed their cattle, but mice have been eating it, which has hugely hurt them financially, unquote. Sorghum is a type of grass that is used to make hay, so basically the mouse plague affects the entire agricultural landscape, not just those who grow crops for vegans. 
This also applies to grass-fed cows as well who are fed hay and silage, which the mouse plague also affects. There's even a document put together by Feed Central, which is Australia's largest hay-selling platform called Managing a Mouse Plague in Haystacks, which states that whatever you do, don't hold back on the number of bait stations. By way of a bit of perspective, around 6 million metric tons of hay is produced each year in Australia, which is nearly double the amount of wheat that is grown just for human consumption. On top of that, the mice also destroy pasture as well as impact grazing land, so even without the hay and silage, the mouse plagues still affect grass-fed cow farming. Funnily enough, the article accusing vegans of causing more deaths does not mention any of that. We wonder why. Who causes more animal deaths? Non-vegans who pay for animals to be directly killed and support industries that use significantly more grain, more land, and also use all of the hay and silage? Or vegans who use less grain, require less land, do not consume any hay or silage, and do not pay for animals to be directly killed? And guess what? The numbers that Archer uses in his article are twisted. He exaggerated the scale of the mouse plagues by stating that each area of grain production in Australia has a mouse plague every four years. But this is a falsehood according to, ironically, the article that Chris Kresser cited on the Joe Rogan podcast. You just cannot make this up. A more accurate picture is suggested by the Cooperative Research Center, which notes that each year between 100,000 and 500,000 hectares of grain crops in Australia are subject to mouse plagues. These figures suggest that in an average year, 2.3% of Australian grain cropland is hit by plague. When Archer's figure of 55 deaths per hectare of grain is recalculated to only apply to 2.3% of cropland, the mortality rate for grain becomes 1.27 animals per hectare. What this means is that when you use Archer's figures for animal deaths, 2.2 animals are killed per 100 kilograms of usable grass-fed beef protein, but only 0.7 animals are killed for 100 kilograms of usable wheat protein. And also bear in mind that the 2.2 animal deaths for grass-fed protein do not include the animals killed for the harvest of hay, silage, or other feed, so that number will actually be higher. To summarize, plant-based farming does not cause more deaths, and the two main people who have tried to claim that it does have both inadvertently made the case for veganism even stronger, as when their numbers are applied correctly, they also further prove that a plant-based diet kills fewer animals. To top it all off, here is a chart below showing the estimated number of deaths per 1 million calories for many of the food items in our diets. As you can see, the difference in deaths between plant foods and animals is very substantial. For plant foods, the numbers on the chart are almost negligible compared to the numbers of deaths for eggs and chickens being the highest with the consumption of eggs being responsible for around 90 deaths per 1 million calories, and the consumption of chickens being responsible for 250 deaths per 1 million calories. A diet of plants causes the fewest animals to be killed. Leaving chickens and eggs out of our diets will have the greatest effect on reducing the suffering and death caused by what we eat. Not to mention that shifting to a plant-based diet would free up to 75% of agricultural land, an area the equivalent of Australia, China, the EU, and the U.S. combined, which could be reforested and restored. In the words of a recent report from world-leading Chatham House, setting aside land for biodiversity to the exclusion of other uses, including farming, and either protecting or restoring natural habitat, would offer the most benefit to biodiversity across a given landscape. 
With the rise of vertical indoor farming, let's end with another quote from the study that Chris Kresser cited. Agriculture has taken a wide variety of forms throughout history, and current trends would seem to raise the serious possibility that plant agriculture might someday kill very few animals, perhaps even none. So, a plant-based diet isn't just the most ethical right now, it's going to continue to get more ethical as time goes by. If you care about animals and crop deaths, then you should be vegan. You just listened to Debunked, Do Vegans Kill More Animals Through Crop Deaths? by Ed Winters at surgeactivism.org. And I'm Marian Erickson, your host, and as always, I put a link to the original post in the show notes and the chart in this article that discusses the number of animals killed by slaughter and harvest in eight food categories doesn't even consider marine animals. Those numbers are astronomical. They're not even counted as actual individuals because the numbers are so large, they're counted by weight. My sister used to always be so upset when she'd see someone bring a shrimp ring to a party. Just look at all those little individuals killed. Anyway, this is great information to debunk those silly claims that vegans kill more animals through crop deaths. And the two points that I mainly refer to are the fact that one of the main studies cited is the one comparing the population of mice in a field before and after harvesting. And while, yes, the number of mice found in the field after harvesting substantially decreased, it's because they most likely scattered. I love how the article states, If you just think about it, do we really believe that when a combine harvester is approaching, causing a huge amount of noise and vibrations, mice who normally use their excellent hearing to evade predators are just going to wait to be killed? No. And I also appreciate understanding the fact that the majority of crops grown go to feed animals that humans then eat. So if someone was concerned with crop deaths, they should stop eating animals and just eat the crops themselves because there is far less that needs to be grown to feed humans. Anyway, please share this episode with anyone who might benefit and thanks for listening.